0: everyone, welcome to week four of the Franchise Legends podcast. Uh, I am joined by our lovely co-host, Crop uh, of the Seattle Mariners and Dan of the New York Yankees. I am, of course, the perhaps fearless commish, Dave White Sox. Hey, we got a few things that happened. Uh, first thing that I want to go over is that Bryce Harper is a complete freak. Thoughts, guys. Tommy John return in 159 days. I saw. Apparently,
1: the laws of medicine don't apply to him. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I've seen like just some of it. I'm assuming he's not throwing it, right? It's just for DHing, just for hitting.
2: No, he's supposed to play first.
1: Oh, he's gonna actually come back and play first too. So is he, he's like already been throwing too. Yeah. Dude, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I I thought that I thought that that uh at the start they were just gonna have him DH and the, I know he's learning first to come back even quicker, but. I didn't realize he was actually like, ready for first base now. That's. Uh, I did see yeah.
2: some videos of him making throws and fielding grounders. Jeez.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if we were like just freak athletes that had superhuman healing ability?
2: Yeah, I know. I'm still young, and I wake up every day and my knees hurt.
0: Yeah. Every time I kneel down in the shower, when I'm squeegeeing the shower doors, I just hear... Both of my knees crack individually every <laughs> single time, and I know it's going to get worse. And I'm not I'm not 30 yet, so <laughs> you know we we only have dark days ahead of us, and we are, we do not have the healing ability of Bryce Harper.
1: Yeah, not even close. Although, okay, so there's an article that you have up. It looks like he's just DHing at the start, which I think is what I thought. I, I don't think he's playing first yet. I think he's I think he's I doubt he's even started throwing yet. Or he might be soon. I think he's just cleared to swing.
2: I, I know for a fact I saw a video of him like.
1: He's fielding. Double plays. I, I've seen him at least fielding at first. I've been doing like mechanics stuff, but I don't know if he's good enough to throw yet. Either way, though, it doesn't matter for fantasy purposes whatsoever because he's going to be hitting, which is all that matters for us. But um, it's still nuts that he's just back, even just hitting. But um, it looks like he's going to be back really soon as well um playing first and maybe in the outfield at some point um sometime later this year maybe
0: i just remember going into this year not knowing where bryce harper would go in the draft just like what his adp would be what i would even do if he fell to me just because it seemed like he wouldn't be back until july and that was kind of optimistic it sounded like and now it's may 1st he's in the lineup
1: and Kevin has more to sell. When you Yeah,
0: me... and... We're... Go ahead.
1: I was say, like, like, Kevin really didn't get a discount on him, though, when you look at it. He was $46. I think was... The judge was, what, 50, I think? Or 50, 55, 52? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember what Judge was at. I think Judge was... I think Judge was, judge was the most expensive the judge outfielder. Was
2: 50, I think.
1: Was he 50 even? Yeah. And Harper doesn't even have outfield eligibility yet. He's just util. So, like, he really paid, like, top dollar for him, really, which... I don't know. He didn't... He he wasn't discounted in the draft, even though he's, he was projected to miss half the season. So I felt like he got him for an absolute steal and is he be able to sign him after this year. He might sign him for one year, but, um, like, you're not getting a huge discount on Harper. I would I probably
2: say, I'd probably say he's going to trade him. Someone with cap space is going to take that on. An MVP-level hitter is fi- hard to find yeah. trading anywhere.
1: Yeah, I could see him doing that. I mean... Harper's reasonable to sign for, like, two years because it's, what, 49 next year and then 52, which is both, like, right at that level um, for, like, what you get in the draft. Even just signing for one year, you probably do save a couple dollars, um, assuming next year, especially if he has first base eligibility next year and outfield. That's going to be a, a bonus for him, too. Um, but at $49, I think it's going to be less than what he would go in the
0: draft. Maybe just by, like, a couple dollars, but still, you get yeah. that, that security of having him. I don't know if I'd give him more than a two year deal, because at that point you're No. But uh, this I, I think this is still definitely a win for uh for our friends at the uh, Chicago North Side. But um If he's not going he, to
1: trade him if he's not gonna trade him this is a big win because I think his value is more now. If you, you can just trade him right now, his value is higher than if he doesn't come oh, back his, until the all star break. I think his value the break is, is harder
0: his value is absolutely as high as it could be, if there's a buyer. uh it, Yeah, I think it's as high team. as it could
1: be at any time this year, given that he's coming back so early. Because you're getting him for what's that week six? I think period six next week when the trade would go through, versus like not until the All Star break. I think your the trade value you get from it, like the trade deadline, is going to be a lot lower. I think than what you get from right now if he's just selling him. I think.
2: I think the only issue is that pretty much all of the teams that are putting up big points. Are flying almost at the salary cap already after trades they made right after the auction. So just finding someone with the flexibility to take him on.
0: Yeah, uh, there's an undefeated team that we have that has like sixty nine dollars. Nice to (laughs) use.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say there's a few teams at the top that have at least like twenty plus, which means you can swing it pretty easily for Harper. you know, it's pretty easy to dump like $20 of salary, particularly in, like some expiring contract, even just to dump it, because um, obviously Kevin can take it on. I think he's at like, I don't even know what, I think he's under, okay, he's got $169 a year, so I thought it was going to be even lower than that. Harper accounts are almost 50 of that, though, but um, yeah, I think there's plenty of teams that would be able to buy it, It's just if they have the assets that Kevin's going to want for it. That's what really matters. I think. I think that there's a lot of teams that are that can swing it with the cap space. I think there's only maybe three, three teams I think that are really like tapped out on uh, on cap space right now, um, like three or four. There's a number of them that don't have any MI, uh, MILB dollars left though too.
0: And we're gonna kind of go into. I don't think it's necessarily just the the top teams that are capped out that are gonna be interested in Harper. It's gonna be especially the middle pack, like, kind of right around where Krav is. Uh, the guys that, that, you know, if they don't improve their team, they're just not going to make any money at all. Um, so the, there is upside for them to to get a guy like Harper if he has, you know, the season that he's capable of. But...
1: Yeah, like those middling teams, like, I see a ninth place, I think, was that? Was that the Chicago White Sox, ninth in the power rankings? Yeah, yeah I but, mean, they're way, they're way far down
0: first in real life and that's where that matters questionable (laughs) all right let's move on to uh i just wanted to get your guys thoughts uh two guys who do not have a lot of fanfare behind them and i'll pull up the uh the transaction history to show what they uh what they went for two guys that don't have a lot of fanfare behind them uh easton mcgee and taylor trammell and let's go ahead and even throw in Miguel Andujar in there, who had two home runs, I think, in his first game up for the Pirates, and uh, just kind of determining how much fab do you spend on these guys? They don't have pedigree behind them, uh, at least if they did, it's it's long gone. In the in the case of Tramel, they, uh, you know, they, they're. Position certainty in the lineup is not guaranteed, but we have lots of fab dollars available to us at the start of the year, and who knows, you know, how they how it shakes out for them going forward. Unfortunately, McGee got hurt, like, literally five hours before waivers ran. But <laughs> I, I saw that, uh, like, at 5 a.m. this morning. I'm like, okay, i got to cancel my claim, and I think that's why he got kind of dinged down with his bid, but... Uh Yeah, what what are your guys' thoughts for um putting bids on this? I actually won Tremel at $5. Do you think that's a smart buy or no?
2: Uh, it just depends on if he is, is going to get run out there. I mean, Seattle uh, isn't exactly killing it offensively, so I think they're just trying to find any spark in that lineup. And we, we, he's shown that he can hit in the minors. It's just if he can translate it to the majors. A once top prospect, he has that pedigree to maybe be able to turn it around as we've seen this year, I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but even with Kellenic, if you were a top prospect, you should have the tools in there somewhere to perform.
1: Yeah, I think as far as like, is it worth it? I think it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, so I think if you're trying to just get somebody just to fill a hole for this year, like yeah, you have plenty of fab dollars, you might as well spend them while you have them um, and just hope that they, you know, can perform this year. If you're trying to get somebody where, it's really just more of a spec that you're hoping that they kind of develop over the next year and you want to hold for a little bit. I think it can be a weird balance between needing to bid enough to win them versus just like when just put a dollar on them and getting for them as cheap as possible to sign them and extend them. Um, so I think it depends a lot on, on who it is. Um, for some of these guys that have like, like, um, and, um, um, whoever the pitcher is, I don't even see him on this list anymore. Um, Easton. although he got hurt, yeah, Easton. Um, like I think they're both gonna have at least some opportunity this year. I mean, Easton, I think for sure is going to after like that incredible first start, he's gonna have opportunities. So for him, it's like, okay, you can spend a decent amount of money because he's likely gonna get multiple starts this year. And who knows, maybe it turns out to be somebody. Um, the like stack cast stuff on him is like not good, like he was just getting like hammered all night and yeah. having to be out right somebody. So it's really questionable if he's going to like repeat the, you know, his first start because his first start, like looked good on paper. I mean, shooty I like when a no hitter through seven or six, six plus or something. Um, but everything was getting hit hard. Uh So it's like, okay, maybe that doesn't carry through. So is the, you know, three or $4 you're going to spend on him that worth it? Um, I think that it really just depends on what the purpose of your fat on whether or not you want to drop five plus dollars on somebody. Cause it's, kind of hard to like re-sign somebody for five because it'd be eight next year and if you're already like questionably getting playing time you're never going to be signing them for eight dollars next year you're going to go they're just going to go to the draft so what's the point in picking them up if they're not going to you know make waves this year
2: yeah i think three dollars though just for a chance at a starter's workload uh, even if it's only for a month a fab especially is good for easton uh i will say i have seen more easton mcgee than probably anybody else he went to high school 40 minutes from me. He's, like, two years older than me.
0: Oh, no shit. Uh,
2: he's from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um, But he tops out at, like, 91. He's, uh like, 6'6", right? Yeah.
0: He, he was not blowing guys away in the start, because I started and, watching it, like, the fifth inning, just because, you know, I get an alert he, on my phone. And uh, he,
2: oh,
0: sorry. was definitely command over stuff.
2: Yeah, he was also a Rays minor leaguer, so he played his whole season here in high a for the Rays. He ran like a high threes. He's not going to get strikeouts. Uh, not a lot of run or carry on his fastballs, but he, just, he has good command. And as you can see, the Rays obviously gave up on him and sent him to Seattle, but he doesn't seem to fool anybody. It's almost like Either I don't know if you can, can call it luck if he runs sub-4 ERAs everywhere he goes, but it, it just doesn't look believable. I would think big league hitters would catch on to him.
0: Do you think it kind of reminds you of a guy like Cal Quantrill, who threw over seven innings today against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, and it was two earned runs and two strikeouts, and he seems yeah, to get away it, with shit like that every single season?
2: I would be surprised to see him ever get over four in a game
0: alright, that that tells yeah. me all I need to know.
1: I think that there's, like, a little bit of a difference, though, too. I think, like, you can certainly pitch to contact and not be a strikeout guy and still succeed. The biggest thing is how hard people are hitting the ball, because if you're producing a lot of soft contact and a lot of ground balls, you can get away with it. The problem is, I think he had, like, four lineouts that were all, like, 95-plus, and they're, like, Expected batting average was like 700 on them, and he was like still throwing a no hitter. So it's just like it's not going to last, like unless this is like a fluke and people are just connecting with it, maybe. But I think it's much more likely that he ends up getting hammered in his next few starts.
2: Um, yeah, his thing is how people are heading. The first time you see him, he's going to be weird because he's six six and he throws from like three quarters. So it, it's going to look funky the first time you face him. Like first time through the order, it's probably okay, even if he gets hit hard, but. After that, it's just a little bit questionable. I'm surprised that he made it to begin with.
0: Yeah, hey, I love a good story, though. Let's, uh, let's jump into the uh, teams that I want to review this week. Uh, in the past uh, three weeks, we've kind of been going over teams that did really well, teams that struggled, and maybe like a team that's, you know, we're not sure uh, if they're going to be good, bad, or, you know, who knows where they're going to place. But this this week, since we are officially at... May. Um, We have a decent sample size uh, underneath us. And now we have a good idea of teams that are right on the fringes of the playoffs. Um, I'm talking about teams that um, the power rankings have uh, around the 11 through uh, 20 range in the yellow. Just to kind of get a good idea uh, we have 12 playoff teams. We mimic the MLB system. Uh, whenever it changes, we change accordingly. Uh, so we have 12 playoff teams, and so only two theoretically of the uh, of the yellow teams are going to get in. I know it's not a one to one. The power rankings are not the standings, um, but that's kind of a it's kind of a decent way to look at. you you're typically going to expect nine or 10 of the teams in the green are going to make the playoffs and then two or three of the yellow teams are going to make them. So let's go over uh, some of those teams in the yellow right now, um, see if we think if there's a team uh, in the ones that we're going to review that stands out to us as uh, they're just a small improvement away from uh, getting up to the promised land, if this is probably a fluke and they, they need serious changes but, you know, they've started out strong, uh, or you know however we want to uh, analyze that so we're going to go first to the Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves over the first 4 weeks uh, they opened up with 358 pretty strong score and since then they've scored 236 196 and then 259 so a couple of strong weeks in the in the normal 7 day period and then one sub 200 uh They're one of the stronger teams in the L. I mean, they are ranked number 11 in the power rankings. So they definitely have quote-unquote the best shot here. But looking at their roster, and I have it pulled up for you guys to see, but we can go over it uh, more in depth. What do you guys see right here? Because the first thing I see is Jorge Mateo is insane right now.
2: Uh, Yeah, and the fact that after the season he had last year, Statcast, not really liking him any of those numbers, getting him for a three-year contract. Now everything looks believable. That kind of looks like a steal. I personally probably would have given him a one-year, because I didn't. I don't think playing time was certain going into the year with all the prospects that were coming up, and now he almost seems like a lock.
0: Yeah, you're right. He, uh, I would not have given Mateo a three-year deal. Certainly, I would have struggled to give him a two-year deal. And I was, I'm, I was in on Mateo last year. Like The defense carried him, but the Orioles had such a stacked, seemingly stacked, middle infield situation going in that you weren't sure if he was going to even play in the infield. He might have just transitioned to center field full-time. But even beyond Mateo, Patrick Wisdom, Marcus Simeon, Raphael Devers, this is one of the best-performing infields in in franchise legends right now i mean Simeon endeavors are you know all stars but mateo and wisdom rounding out that infield all of them have scored almost or over 100 points which is kind of crazy for the first month of the year
1: yeah i think this probably is the number one scoring infield i would say because there's not that many players just in general over 100 points right now like there's probably maybe a dozen a couple dozen um at this point and I mean, three of them are are over, and then wisdom is at 96 right now, <clears throat> so it's really really close. The only thing I would say about Mateo coming into this year, which um, depending on how big of an effect you thought the the bases getting bigger was going to have, he had 35 steals last year um, uh, between uh, or in in Baltimore. So it's like if you think that's going to just go up, and he has 10 this year now, and so like if he's like a 50 steal guy, that's just like, like a ton of points. Um, and maybe he ends up getting more play time just because of like, you know, some of the kind of fringe stuff like that. Um, just being like insane on the base pads. Um, but yeah, this infield is stacked. And I think just talking about like, the team is like a whole, I think that the infield is really kind of just hard carrying, like at least, the um, the hitters on this team, because there's a lot of like glaring holes in the lineup. I think at this point, um, some of it, I think is, uh, due to injury um i see he's got stanton on the ir who will come back there's a lot of like help that um that you'll need in the like outfield like utility spots there's like, really low scores there um that i think you're going to need some help here because if if any of those four guys that you have on in the infield don't have like a huge week i think it's gonna be really hard to win um just from the the rest of the lineup you're putting out there
0: right He he actually is He's capped out on IR, so he's using all five IR slots. Now, some of them are guys that, you know, maybe you just drop them if you need a spot, like Connor Overton um, or or Derek Hall, given that I think Derek Hall is... He's done for the season. Yeah, he's done for the seasons. And at $6, do you really want Derek Hall for 9 You know, if you needed the room, you could probably drop Hall and Overton. I'm not sure what, you know what he offers really long term um but they literally have no bench healthy bats, so they are running the only lineup that is going to score points i guess they have tyler freeman in their uh in their minor leagues but yeah their their outfield is compared to the infield which is as we just discussed the best infield in the game like like dan was saying the rest of the spots You know, catcher doesn't matter, but you're running a backup catcher in Nick Fortes. Your outfield is O'Hearn, Hampson, and Edward Olivares, who's okay, but Hampson and O'Hearn are backups at best, and they're not good backups. Like, maybe if you believe in Hampson long-term, he can play multiple positions, so he's useful to a team. Like, certainly not droppable, but then Nicky Lopez and Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, you know, playing... Not every day, and Nicky Lopez, <laughs> not, you know, I I I, you guys don't know this yet, but I I was a huge Nicky Lopez stand for a long time, but uh, Nicky he he has no pop, no pop whatsoever, and uh, the the rest of this lineup around that infield, yeah, it's it's just not gonna work. Let's um let's move down to that uh that pitching situation because it is also. It, it It is like the epitome of stars and scrubs right now. What are your guys' thoughts on this?
1: Gaussman's great,
2: other yeah, than that. Gaussman's great. Merrill Kelly is kind of hit or miss. Tyler McGill uh, just depends on how many injuries stay in that Mets rotation. And then, I mean, he doesn't really have any other starters. Alex Wood's injured. So he's running almost all relief pitchers other than that.
0: And not even,
1: like... It's not even, like, high-end relief pitchers for the most part, too. Like, it's not guys that are going to get a lot of saves. Yeah. um, Particularly.
2: Fairbanks, probably his best reliever, just got pulled with Raynaud's.
0: Oh, damn. Yeah, there's so many guys, even in the minor leagues, and, you know, I was just looking through their bench, guys that, you know, maybe there's something long-term, but... You know, for a team that's trying to get to the playoffs, uh, a lot of these guys just are not going to help you this year. Noah Davis for Colorado. Uh, Sean Jelly in the minors. Luis Medina for Oakland, who is one of the most interesting pitchers that is in the game just because of the quality of his pure stuff, but he, he can't throw strikes. Um, ben Brown, who uh, actually just got promoted to AAA and might start for the Cubs sooner than later. There's lots of guys here, Garrett Crochet, of course, that, you know, maybe in a two or three years um, could be good down the line. But right now they might just be best as trade bait just to shore up what you're actually playing in the starting lineup. Because right now they're running Adrian Hauser. Uh, that might be an accidental oopsie. But, you know, their next best was Michael Fulmer, who has been really bad. you um, no there there's definitely area for improvement here.
1: Yeah. I think this is one of those where I think we talked a little bit about it last week where like, you don't want to be in the middle, like as far as the standings go, as far as the standings go, you'd rather be like right, right at the top and like locked for a playoff spot or way at the bottom. And just essentially just tank for a year. I think this is one where you're stuck right in the middle and you just kind of have to make a decision. Cause I think he's got like enough pieces that you could certainly like sell off for some like good prospects and a lot of minor league dollars. And you're also like, a handful of pieces i would say like we probably need like at least three or four upgrades to like really be competing in the playoffs um probably even more than that to be honest um and you just gotta figure out like you know are you able to sell you know your entire bench and and or your entire like minor league roster basically to, to get there or is it gonna be too far and is it you know time to sell off the you know assets that you have for you know the playoff teams and try to just load up for next year i think it's like really tough because it gets just right in the middle yeah,
2: I would say like if he has a chance to consolidate a little bit because if you look at his minors it's not really uh the high end specs. So I don't know what he could really use to fill three spots because even to get like a person he needs he's going to have to package a couple specs. There's no like one for one that I see he has that he could get somebody for. I mean, he has Brendan Davis, but he's fallen. So if he could just move a couple pieces on the edges or anybody on an expiring contract for someone on a contract for next year or some minor leaguers he could use to trade for in the offseason, I think uh would be a better plan of action. Just because if he goes, if he tries to go for it, I don't know if he has the capital to fill every hole, and then he would still be in the same spot.
0: All right. We'll go ahead and move on over to the next team that we're going to analyze. The Boston Red Sox. Uh, no longer the team that has the uh, the worst luck factor. Uh, that would be the Miami Marlins tied with the Toronto Blue Jays, both of whom have just been... You know, at least the Marlins have a, have a decent record, but the Blue Jays have been, kind of been, you know, just devastated. The Boston Red Sox, though, they opened up with a strong week similar to the Atlanta Braves. They scored more points than the Braves at 384, Then a middling week at 221, a strong week when we we were kind of looking at them as, oh, they might be, uh, you know, this might be their true talent. They've had two strong weeks and one average, you know, maybe that, maybe they're consistent. But then they open up this week at 188.5. Let's go ahead and take a look at the Boston Red Sox. The first thing I see is they have been hard carried on offense by the Funky Muncie. Uh, Max Muncy at 109 points, one of the near the top of the leaderboard for offense, but around them, at least it's guys that are playing full time. But what do you guys think about this?
2: Uh, he's getting the performances from people. I don't know that people thought going to do this. I mean, Pais Diaz is 64.5. He's got to be one of the top scoring catchers. I don't know how many people believe that Geraldo Perdoma would even keep his job. And he's been playing out of his mind. And you got Luis Arias batting over 400, along with Jaron Duran playing every day in the Boston outfield. So I don't, it's a whole bunch of players going into the season that I don't think people expected a lot for that are actually filling out the edge of his roster because his depth really isn't that strong. I mean, he has Francisco Alvarez, as the whole saga about him getting catcher eligibility happened, and Eduardo Escobar, who has now been passed by Beatty.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's funny when you kind of look at his roster. He has zero people with over 100 at-bats. Um, when you look at plate appearances, like he might have two or th- I think he has two that are over. So it's like a lot of guys who are batting like 7 to 9 probably in the lineup and starting every day um and then just overperforming from there. So it's it's really just interesting <clears throat> that you have guys that aren't getting a lot of like at-bats to necessarily get a ton of points, but they're just overperforming in the in like the situations that they're in um so it's really i don't know this is just a weird spot because like if they keep performing this level it's like yeah you're going to be competing and they're likely going to move up the lineup because in general i would say like everyone in this team is just like hitting fairly well um particularly like muncie is just absolutely mashing the ball um he's obviously like kind of the star um on the team um but it is just kind of a lot of guys who are just way outperforming expectations and if they continue doing that like this team's going to probably perform well like long-term but it's like how many of these guys are going to just like come back down to earth and then like return to the mean and you end up with like a very middling roster um just because like you know it doesn't last forever
2: he does have tim anderson on the il who i yep. would say is at least a fantasy star he puts up points um so that's that gives him one more piece to be able to move back and forth i think he's supposed to be activated tomorrow
1: He's eligible to return tomorrow. Um, I think I think he is supposed to be activated as well.
0: And taking a look at this pitching, uh it's a lot of names. Uh you got Jack Flaherty, Nick Lodolo, Chris Sale, uh Garrett Whitlock, who unfortunately is on the IL now. And some strong relievers, especially like Joan Duran. Uh but all those starting pitchers and maybe with the exception of Flaherty, although he hasn't been too great either with 21 walks and 32 innings. uh, All those starting pitchers have ERAs over six except for Flaherty, um, and that's very uncharacteristic of them. Um, You know, Nick Lodolo was being advertised as, you know, could easily just become an ace this year, top 30 or even better, kind of guy that you run as your number two and a 12-teamer. Chris Sale, you know, you were going in thinking you know, he could be that ace again. You know, there has been the injury stuff, but he uh, finished out last year pretty strong. Um, with the bullpen being as strong as it is, besides Duran, there's uh, Paul Sewell um, and even guys like uh, Keegan Thompson, who are pitching multiple innings when they go out. Are pretty strong, but yeah, the the pitching is definitely an area that uh could use some work.
2: Yeah, the depth the depth I think is the big issue there, because I mean he's having to run an IL guy, and he doesn't have anybody else. Uh, and lodolo I think his uh numbers are bad in thirty innings, but I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think he had one start where
1: he gave up nine earned in like
2: two innings. So. Yeah,
1: he got hammered. It was the Tampa Bay game. It was eight. I think it was eight earned in four, uh, four innings for that one.
2: Yeah, they just kind of left him out there. So overall, I don't think his season has been that bad. It's just early in a season, you have a blow up. It's going to look worse.
0: He has given up eight home runs in thirty innings, which is completely unsustainable. Um, you know, that's what almost a two point five home run per nine and yeah i remember uh during corbin burns uh miserable season right before he became the ace in 2020 he had given up like something like 4.5 home runs per nine and it was just such an outlier because even getting over two is difficult for a major league pitcher to suck that bad
2: yeah Um, he uh Changed his pitch mix. He's throwing the four seamer more than the sinker, which is actually making his curveball play down. So I think he should probably go back to the sinker. I don't know. They're trying to do like elevated four seamers with him,
0: and it's not working. I don't know. Whatever he was doing last year seemed to work out pretty well. He does have yeah. a 44 to 9k walk. So Dan, what do you think?
1: Let's say the one thing I would say about Lodolo, too, is his schedule's been kind of like Jacked up too. Like he, like just the teams he's played against. He pitched against Pittsburgh, who's obviously like overperforming. Philadelphia twice, Tampa, and then Texas. So like, those are at least I would say Philadelphia. I would say is probably they don't have Harper in the lineup, but I would say they're still probably like top ten offense if I were to guess. And of course, Tampa is like the number one um, by a lot, and they just hit a ton of home runs. So like, I think if he plays some softer lineups too, it's gonna like certainly help him in the long term. He kind of got like I don't, I don't know some pretty tough draws i think at the start so i think that's, that explains like some of the era um problems um the one thing i do really like is uh, having like just nine walks and in 30 innings is pretty nice and the 44ks is just a lot so you're going to get a lot of points out of him even yeah, in the uh, ref too yeah even in the days where you know he's going to give up some runs if he just makes up for it by just striking out seven people You know, you don't really care too much if he gives up a run or two um, because the strikeouts are going to make up for it.
0: All right. Let's go ahead and move on to, hey, crop. let's talk about your Seattle Mariners squad.
2: Well, my personal dumpster fire.
0: (laughs) So you opened up strong, uh, like the other teams, 352 in week one, even stronger in week two at 279 for the regular seven-day week. Uh, But the past two weeks have been, like you said, kind of a dumpster fire, 178 in week three, 191 in week four, both uh, sub-200 performances. You don't want to see that from a playoff team, especially two weeks in a row. Krob, what has uh, has gone wrong here from your perspective?
2: Uh, I have had two weeks in a row where every single one of my starters have blown up. I've been getting negative points. Um, I know Julio Urias uh, this past week got smashed. Tyler Maley got pulled early. Lauer got negative points for the week. Uh, Nola hasn't been very Nola until recently. And uh, Clevenger, although I got him for $3, it appears uh, Karma is catching up to him recently. And then I think it's been mostly pitching. I mean, I lost Springs and Cueto, and Ryan Weathers got pulled from the starting rotation. I mean, my offense hasn't been great, and I've just been kind of unlucky with my selection of who I'm starting. Like, uh, first week I didn't start Luke Rayleigh and he had 20-something points, and I started him the next two weeks, and he had about one or two, and I benched him this past week, and he had 20 again Or having Pavin Smith have 44 points, all of them almost on my bench. I've just had a lot of underperforming people. I don't even really know what to say the biggest issue is.
0: Well, you're about to lose uh, Tyler Mail potentially for long term. I don't know. Has there been any more news since uh, I haven't uh shut seen down it. at least four weeks with a posterior impingement and flexor pronator strain?
2: Yeah. And then McCarthy got optioned, which was supposed to be a lot of points.
0: So this has kind of just started to fall apart. All at once. Yes. Very sorry to hear that, Dan. What are, What are your thoughts? How does How does Crop turn this ship around?
1: There's always next year I tell you turn it around.
0: <laughs> Just, give <laughs> I mean, <up>. you... <laughs> Just give up. Just give up.
1: I mean, I I think it's like this is another spot where like you're like kind of stuck right in the middle. It's like you have a lot of like good pieces, but there's also a lot of like a lot of guys on expiring contracts here that I think are like potentially some, like, decent, like, trade candidates. um, So it's really, like, you know, are you hoping to, like, go in this year and and win it? Because I think you only necessarily need, like, a couple more pieces, although let me... I don't know what that division looks like. Cause that's the biggest thing I always look at in situations like this. If you're stuck right in the middle and your division is just like hell to try to win, why bother? Um, Which, yours isn't too bad. Um, The Angels are a pretty good lead right now. Um,
0: I think the, but the Eagles- AL is really... St- The Angels are probably going to be the top or, like, one of the top three teams in uh, the entire league, not just the AL. So, I think, given that there's a stumble happening here, you either have to turn it around starting now, or you have to hope the Angels run into a rough patch of their own. Yeah. Because, otherwise, it's really quickly becoming a wild card race at best.
2: I couldn't keep up what happened last season, My salary cap was too high and they managed to keep it rolling so
1: yeah the good thing is there's like one spot that's like really up for grabs as far as wild cards go in the al i think there's kind of like five teams that are um pretty like a, a good bit out in front right now obviously it's still really early and like anything can change um but there's like kind of five teams that are like clearly in like competition for their divisions at least. Um, and definitely for wild cards. And there's like a lot of teams that are like at 500 or worse right now. Um, so there's certainly a lot of opportunity for that last spot in the AL, um, to where like, you know, anyone can kind of just reach out and grab it. Um, there's a, a number of teams that are like already tanking at like, you know, two and six or worse. I think there's five teams right now at two and six or worse. So, um, I think there's certainly opportunity.
2: Yeah, I just had a couple whiffs in the auction, and then uh, some of the trades that I've made haven't turned out the best recently. And, I mean, I could have moved McCarthy. There was a lot of buzz, and I chose to hold on to him. And uh, in the offseason, I traded away Luis Castillo instead of Aaron Nola. I mean, all these are hindsight. uh, Just some subpar decisions and some bad injury luck. I mean... Mally going down, Springs, Tommy John, Plato getting hurt first start, Vader not coming back, Mitch Garver getting hurt week one. It's just... It's all at once early in the season, and it kind of makes it where you have to act early rather than waiting and see what happens, because I can't fall too behind where I can't make anything up, and if I don't... If I'm not one of the first sellers, then I don't get the the big prices that the first people go for.
0: Yeah, you you... Like you know, I think most guys don't want to just resort to just saying, oh, injury. Um, but sometimes that is just what happens. Like, Springs was looking potentially like a top 10 pitcher in baseball. I mean, full stop, he was the best starting pitcher in the league at the time that he got hurt. Um, so that, that obviously is going to hurt. Um, sometimes just getting hit with too many injuries, even if it's at the start of the season, and you know, like, logically, if you can get guys back in six weeks, then things can turn around if things go well. You also have to look at it from the point of, if I'm going, over this six-week period, if I'm going, like, three and nine, because I just can't run a team out there, uh, and if I didn't want to go three and nine, I'd have to give up some serious assets just to hold water, or you know, stay above water, you know sometimes it's best to just like take a step back. Maybe this just wasn't the year. Maybe you know the depth wasn't there uh, to begin with, and then it got tested early. And so let's just reevaluate and prepare for next year. It, you know, the classic not rebuild, but retool. Um, you know sometimes that it's it's not the worst thing in the world, and you can still make some money if things kind of swing right anyway. Um, that, that's happened to me before personally, but, um, yeah, there, there's lots of different ways this could go. I'm interested to see what you do, Crab, because, uh, this is uh, one the more, uh, this is probably the most middle team in the league. You are at 15th on the power rankings, so. I yeah, wish you the best I will, I will there. say
2: probably leaning towards retooling, so whoever listens to this pod, I will start looking at offers, uh, because... Middle is the worst place to go, and I don't really have to worry about money. I finished third last year, so the league is kind of paid for by itself for three years, I think. So I have built-in time to be able to get the team back where it's supposed to be.
1: I thought for sure, when you say, I don't have to worry about money, you're going to say, because I'm rich, and I was just like, well, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, the team, I think, like um, there's a couple like guys that are expiring contracts that I think are... Potentially good, like trade candidates. Um, that you don't, it's not going to be like a a full rebuild. And I think even with trading a couple of those guys, you'd absolutely still be able to, uh, make a wild card spot and still get some money this year. But you would be able to, you know, just help your chances in the following year because, you know, you're not going to be able to keep them anyways. So you might as well get something for them. Um, I think there's at least, uh, I know like Suarez probably will fetch something, is my guess. Um, and uh, Lauer, I'm assuming he's not hurt for long. I just see this little red flag pop up pop up on him. Um, Lauer, I'm sure will fetch something because you know a, a cheap pitcher, especially for the teams that are already like at their um, at their cap um, as far as or um, at their salary cap. Um, you know, taking on nine dollars is not hard um, on an expiring contract. Yeah,
2: I'll probably look to move anything that's expiring at the end of the season or anybody that I don't think I can extend. Just look uh, for better contracts or minor leaguers that I can then use to uh, acquire people next year after the draft. Because this year, I think what what is showing is what I did this past season uh, was unsustainable because I ran so far close to the cap, and then I went into the auction with like $30 to try and fill the holes in my team. And... gets you injury-prone or pieces with issues. And I'm dealing with the repercussions at the moment.
0: And, yeah, just looking at the AL standings overall, um, like Dan said, there's five teams that are kind of, um, at this point in time, we can kind of pretty much project that they will make the playoffs. Uh, That's the White Sox, you know, myself, the undefeated. Uh, the Tigers, the Yankees and Orioles, who are atop the AL East, uh, and then the Los Angeles Angels at 6-2 and two atop the AL West. Those five are all, have already just kind of separated themselves from the pack. And then they're, you know, I hate to write teams off early, um, but let's write off some teams that are already tanking. That's the Twins, Royals, Guardians. That's the Rangers, and then maybe the Blue Jays have also started to tank. Um, I know he has opened up his team to offers. He's two and six. Even though he does have a bunch of points, um, it looks like he he might be ready to uh, just throw in the, the towel for this season and try again next time.
2: Maybe I gave him some false hope. I gave him a win this week.
0: <laughs> That's rough. I mean, he does have a decent
1: amount of points. He has eighth in points, though, for the um, for the AL. So he's got a, a a decent amount of points. Like it's relatively close to a lot of the um, like teams there, but it's not like it's been extremely unlucky. I would say, um, as far as like the schedule goes.
0: So yeah, really, it looks like the Boston Red Sox, the Seattle Mariners, and. You know, maybe the next two teams that we cover are going to be the ones that may uh, may come forward out of this hodgepodge because realistically, only one, maybe two, of those teams I just listed are going to get in. the The last two being the Tampa Bay Rays uh, and the Oakland Athletics. We'll go over the Oakland Athletics first as one of the uh, the four AL teams I would say that are kind of in this grouping of. Could could compete, could get that final wild card three slot. The A's, I really thought that they were um, going to have a uh, strong team going into the year. They had made some smart buys. They have Fernando Tatis, and they've kind of somehow managed to um, build a squad around him that can that can support that, even if it hasn't uh, hasn't perfectly worked out so far. Um, just looking at this the offense is great you've got a rising star maybe in james outman um yeah everything's kind of built around tatis though still uh but plenty of all-stars surrounding him too what do you guys think
2: money will soon become an issue just looking at the contracts he has uh but for this season I think uh, it's possible he could make it. Tatis can definitely carry a fantasy lineup and he has another person who in the past has in Soto. But to have Soto, Olson, Varsho, Tatis all on contracts that you have like already given contracts is something so, you have to not. think about. So, Soto's well, on one. Oh yeah, Soto's not. But just that Tatis contract alone, it's it's reaching Acuna Jr. levels, I mean, in the 70s, at some point, I don't know what player is worth 70 to teach baby in the past, but just the what you have to do on the fringes dealing with that big of a contract makes some of the value you get from having him not worth as much.
0: Yeah, if I could like project that a player would score on offense, if a player would score 700 points, um, which if we just look at uh, last year, I'm, I'm just going to real quick pull this up. Last year, the top hitters, as uh, Fantrax loads, Aaron Judge's Supernova season, which I would say is as much as you could ever expect a hitter to to put up in a season, was worth 733 points. If you could reasonably project, and I don't know how reasonable that is, if you could say that this hitter that I have is going to be worth Seven hundred points, sure, I would pay seventy dollars for that because that's um you know <laughs> I mean that's like two full time starters in one slot, and that you know that is invaluable, but yeah, uh, I mean
2: he also has the other guy that if you had to think that you were gonna project someone for seven hundred points, given if we were talking twenty nineteen twenty twenty one you would have said that Juan Soto, if someone was going to score 700 points in a point league, it would be Juan Soto. And now I, we've seen, I thought you
0: were talking about James Altman.
2: Uh, well, the second coming of Babe Ruth is also upon us. Uh, but Soto, Soto, you would think, is going to perform better than this. And just Tatis and Soto alone could carry a roster of those two and other people getting regular at-bats.
0: Yeah, so heading down to their pitching, and th- this is where the real issue starts because I think their ace is Domingo Herman? Question mark?
1: Or Bryce Elder? I think Elder's really good too.
0: I mean, they're 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 all right. Bryce Elder has had a really good start, but um.
2: Can an ace be a reliever?
0: <laughs> uh, is it a Roldis Chapman? The, no. <laughs> Not quite. I mean Johan Oviedo, Kyle Bradish, um, two young guys that uh certainly have a lot of potential. Oviedo's kinda taken a you know, the long way around to uh to finally being a guy that is uh relevant in shallower leagues. He's always been kind of relevant in a thirty teamer, but now he's starting to put together some good starts. I know he got Blown up yesterday, but Bradish kind of the same way. Interesting profile, but you know he's he's not there yet. And then uh, it's a, it's a bullpen. <laughs> it is indeed a bullpen. I'm not sure how much I like it. What do you guys think?
2: Um, they pitch. They they throw innings. I don't know how much more I can say about that. I mean, they got... Chapman's having an interesting rebound. Uh, and then, I mean, even if I look at his bench about who he could put in, caprillian has been getting murdered. And the once-high prospect of... Is that Andre Jackson?
0: Yeah, that, that's Andre yeah. Jackson. I don't know how much of a prospect he ever was, but Caleb Killian was a top 100 guy. He, he kind of flirted at the fringes of the top 100s a few times, and uh, he had his first major league start, or uh, maybe it's just the first one this year. He might have debuted last year, yeah. But uh, he opened up horribly. It it went completely awful. Gave up ten hits in three innings. Um, I will say, for um, for a team like the Oakland Athletics, who all you have to do is beat one of the teams that is right next to you. You have an offense that can square up against any playoff team. Um, you know, Varsho, Olsen, Witt, Tatis, Outman, Soto. Uh, just get a, you know, pay for a pitcher. And I don't know where that comes from. Uh, you do have a guy like Logan Ohapi, who's out for the year, who's not helping you this year. You have Varsho on a $10 three-year contract that just started. Maybe Ohapi is a guy that a team that has a pitcher that's about to expire goes and gets Ohapi, who is still on uh, his R1 deal because he he did not get enough ABs to graduate. So you're going to have him on the first of a rookie year deal next year. You saw that he can hit like he was arguably the best hitting catcher when he went down he had an over 900 OPS Um, maybe that's a guy who you are so close to the playoffs this year trade him package him with you know whoever you need to get that that frontline ace guy so you can stop playing Giovanni Moran in your lineup I mean come on (laughs) That Giovanni Moran is not doing it for a team that's trying to get to the playoffs.
2: And surprisingly with those two contracts, he still has $35 to play with, so doesn't even have to move a contract with a prospect to get an arm. He can get a very good arm that's $35 or maybe even a a couple of middling ones
1: uh, just to fill out that depth in the pitching. Yeah, that's because the, the pitching contracts are so cheap on this team. That's the one thing he really is going for him is he's got a, a decent amount of um, like rookie and then outside the rookie, just a lot of guys, like all of his pitching contracts are single digits, every single one, um, which is how you end up with $35 or whatever left over. Um, if you are selling out this year, there's one top prospect on the bench. At least I'm looking at uh um, rocker, um, which I don't know if, you're going to want to just completely mortgage the future, but I know he was the first round pick this last year. Um, I went for quite a lot in the MILB draft. Um, He's got a lot of hype. So that's like the one person I'm looking at. this, very likely going to be somebody else that I'm missing as well. Um, I mean, that's
0: that's just the major But yeah, I I, I just think the pieces are here. Just, I I think Ohapi is essentially the perfect trade candidate for a team in this situation you already have a long-term solution you know it's it's a little pricier but it's a good solution Varsho's you know the real deal he's gonna be one of the more valuable guys you can slot in a catcher um and you have an obvious need you need a pitcher um a guy that you can count on for 180 innings of at least a number two guy and you can get that for $35 or less. All right, the next team that we want to get to, uh, just to wrap it up, is the Tampa Bay Rays, who are also in that AL hodgepodge like I was going over earlier. Tampa Bay Rays, uh, looking at their week by week, they opened up uh, almost exactly average at 267 during the long week. Then they repeated the score almost exactly at 266 in the shorter week. That was a pretty strong score. Since then, they've scored 214, another average. And then they were one of the worst teams this week at 153. So they, uh, they've had more average weeks or bad weeks than good. Um, and just looking at their lineup, there's not a lot that's going right here so far. There is Brandon Nemo, um, who kind of perennially an underrated guy, uh, but in points leagues, he gets on base and he doesn't strike out, which is the perfect combo, especially for a guy that can provide some pop too. Um, Kyle Tucker is, of course, you know, a guy on a... If everything goes right, he could win MVP. Um, but outside of that, it's uh, it's not really worked out so far this year. What do you guys think?
2: Um... I think the hitting is less of an issue than the pitching, but hitting wise it's just uh the depth. I mean to be running Jonathan Daza and Nick Gordon as starters is a little uh rough for a team trying to maybe make a wild card. The rest of his players I really don't see an issue with. You got Riley Green who isn't exactly performing to the standards that a lot a lot of people hold him to. Um but you got uh, Willem Contreras, one of the best uh, hitting catchers, which is all we care about in fantasy, and the Brewers also apparently turned him into a framing cod. Rowdy Telez is playing out of his mind. And then people like Gio Urshela, Brandon Nemo, Kyle Tucker, and even Luis Renjifo with that bad Angels team you are going to get every day at bats, and Tucker and Nemo are kind of starring at the moment. It's just he doesn't have any depth to fill, the, fill those spots. That's why... Nick Gordon is so valuable to this team because he is, he is really their whole bench. And he's starting at the moment just because of injuries. But his only bench guy is really Sebi Zavala because Michael Chavis, I don't know if he's even getting at-bats. And Pache is hurt and Dickerson's hurt. So it's, they just need roster fillers to be able to just get at-bats and possibly put up points for them.
0: They do have some guys. Uh, how long... It, oh, Pache's out for the long run. Looks like he just had surgery, which kind of sucks because it looked like he was finally starting to get some semblance of playing time. Not that he didn't get in Oakland, but for a team that's actually competing like the Phillies, maybe something would go right. They would use him in a certain way. Uh, but, yeah, you, you said the pitching was more of an issue, and as I go and look down at the pitching... Uh, yeah, I could see it, um, because past, so you have Framber Valdez, uh, who is an ace, is pitching like an ace, you know, that's settled, he actually has him on a good contract, he has him this year and next year only at $27. Um, Lance Lindo, sucks. Grayson Rodriguez, uh, good thing he's up now, but, you know, how much can you rely on a guy like him for, you know, this being his rookie year? And then after that, it just kind of devolves into the uh, the kind of guys you expect to see rostered in the 30-team league. Uh, Cal Quantrill is your number four starting pitcher, I guess. And then a bunch of guys in the bullpen who are putting up points, but they're middle relievers, really. They're just getting some holds.
2: Yeah, and he got the what looks like the bad Shamania year. He kind of has that year-bad-year year thing that happens. Uh, and then he got unlucky with his, uh, Japanese purchase. I mean, Fujinami has kind of looked like a, um, just like he doesn't belong so far. Two many yeah. walks.
0: Maybe, you know, as a guy that you can put in the bullpen, um, he does have good stuff. Uh, just looking at the stuff plus leaderboard, he was putting up some really good numbers, uh, in spring training and, uh even in his starts that weren't going well at all, there was some uh there were some bright spots that you could find. Maybe in the bullpen he's fine, but you know Fujinami as a bullpen arm for the Oakland Athletics is not a game changer by any means.
2: Yeah, it's just it's really I mean Lance Lynn not being the man he has been the last couple of years. And then Cal Quantrill kind of just pitching, pitching as a middling guy and relying on them to really be two and three. Cause I don't know. I know Grayson's a big prospect, but can you ever ever really consider a rookie it's supposed to be your two or three? You don't know how much they're going to play with his innings when it gets to the end of the season.
0: Well, let's let's just ask ourselves a question. Do you think this team should... Okay, so this team is at the bottom end of the teams that we're covering today on the power rankings. They've had the worst run so far uh, among the other four teams, the Braves, Red Sox, Mariners, Athletics. Um, they don't have... Uh, like the other teams, they don't have a 100-point player. They have some guys that are close, but all I mean by that is just, you know, that guy that you can really count on to just dominate week by week um, and kind of just build around that consistent point total. Do you think this team should buy or sell?
2: Uh, Definitely sell because, I mean, you look at their two best hitters, they are both on expiring deals. I mean, you got Nemo on the end of a two and Tellez on the end of a one. And those guys are going to go for a lot because first base gets rough. And outfield, you have to fill three three spots and a utility. And we see that a lot of people's problems is they don't have back-end outfielders. So mm-hmm. Nemo playing as well as he is, even though he's fragile, will get you a big return. Same thing with Rowdy Teles if a team has lost a first baseman or their first baseman isn't playing to what they thought they were that's contending because those contracts aren't except exactly backbreakers. I mean, what is telez 18? And Nemo's only, I guess, 16? I
1: think they're both 18.
2: They're both 18, yeah. Yeah,
1: they're both 18 on expiring deals. Yeah, yeah get I get that
2: kind of production just for pretty cheap is going to go for a lot. And uh, they can trade away a person like Cal Quantrill who is a middling a middling pitcher. I don't know what his contract status is. I don't know how much you're going to get on a 2 or 4 contract. But Manaya, someone may take a chance on and Lance Lynn maybe later on in the season. Like these are these are players that are obviously rosterable and startable in a 30 team league, but maybe not as your main starters. But if you put it on a contending team, these are very good depth pieces.
0: Just looking at the the farm they have, uh, they have a a few interesting guys. I'm looking at Brock Porter, Dylan Lesko, two um, uh, kind of premier starting pitching prospects from last draft. And then on the hitting side, they have Kyle Manzardo, who may be up sooner than later. He seems to be doing very well at AAA. Spencer Jones, obviously, uh, has Aaron Judge comparisons. (laughs) Um, not sure about that, but uh, they've got some premier prospects. I do like Emmanuel Rodriguez too. Uh, they, I do want to mention Kyle Tucker at fifty dollars is overpriced in my mind. Um, maybe you could package him to like. I mean, like you said, outfield is a uh, struggling area for many teams. Um, Nemo and Tucker and Tellez, you know, for teams without first base, but just for outfield, Nemo and Tucker are a great combo. If you could get some premier prospects, you're not really giving up too much for next year. Like, Contreras um, is still there for next year. Oh, yeah, I I didn't even see Carlos Correa. Uh, He was probably mentioned, but he's on his two of two deal. Oh, yeah, for a team that's like So many guys are coming off the books except for Kyle Tucker, who's going to be $52. Yeah. I would like to see some, I would like to see some spicy moves here. Yeah.
2: I I feel like this is the easiest. uh, If you look at the roster and just see the contract status and that they are the good players, just that they're in expiring contracts, It's not like you can even build around them for next year. This, this just seems like the easiest have to sell early and, and fast
0: i would not sell framber valdez unless you got an absolute haul because framber valdez is an ace and is pitching like an ace and is gonna he's gonna flirt with 20 wins again i know he's only two and three right now but it's it's the astros um dan you were gonna say something What, what are your thoughts here
1: well i was gonna say um well, basically, that's what you guys are saying with the expiring contracts. you have like multiple guys who I would say are just like studs of their position um and expiring deals you guys already mentioned and valdez, um, I would agree, like you don't want to trade much you're gonna get a haul, but you absolutely could get a haul for him, I think um he's only twenty four dollars, so it's somebody who's like very underpriced, I would say, and on the two of three. so if your plan is like go all in compete next year. Um, obviously Valdez is probably gonna be like a staple of that. Um, of your rotation. I think just looking at the prospects though, I don't know how quickly like you're starting pitching prospects like Porter and, um, uh, Dylan Lesko are going to be up. I think it's probably like another year or two down the line. And so it's like, okay, does Valdez give you more right now to trade or do you want to hold him through the draft next year and then trade him at that point? Um, or maybe just, you know, evaluate next year, but like, Valdez would get an absolute haul this year, I'm sure. Um, and he'd probably get a haul next year as well. Um, I would assume probably more this year, just because of how good the contract is. Um, so certainly, like, he will fetch a lot, um, for sure. Along with Lynn. I think Lynn's fine, too, yeah. at 31.
0: It's a, it's okay. I, I I would not be paying for that Lynn contract, with, unless it came with a you know, a a severe discount. Like I would give up maybe I certainly not a top 100 prospect at this point for a $31 Mm -hmm. Lynn. Okay. How many, how many, how many many draft dollars?
1: How many draft dollars? How many many draft
0: dollars? That's interesting. I would give up no more than, I would give up no more than five draft dollars at this point because Lynn at $31, if it Okay, so I have $69 left in cap room. I'm just speaking for my situation right now. If I were to use half of it on Lance Lynn, I have to believe that he's going to turn around for one because he's going to take up half of the room that I have left that uh, at the trade deadline more guys are going to be available and I may just be unable to get them if I get Lance Lynn. So I have to believe that he's going to turn it around, which I don't know if I do. If he gets traded, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing I think that is playing into this. Because I think that this is a contract um, year for him. Um, And I know his name's been floated to get traded a lot. And really, like, he's been pitching okay. It's just, like, the home runs and just, like, really it's just the home runs, I think, that have been a problem for him. But he's gotten a lot of strikeouts. um, And in general, he's not been giving up a ton of hits. He got hammered for, like, three starts. Um, those other three, I think, were generally okay.
2: He had a no-hitter um, through six and then gave up
1: five runs. Yeah. And so it's been flashes of, like, I don't I don't want to say vintage Lancelin because he was never, like, that. But he's been good in, like, spurts. Um, so that, I don't, that, I think that's just an interesting one to look at, um,
0: particularly will, for something that's
1: competing this year.
0: I will say I would not personally extend Lancelin. So for me, it would just be a, a one-and-done. Um, Agreed. I'm not interested in Lance Lynn at 36 year old. 36 years old for $34. Uh, when I could get, man, who went for $34 in the recent draft? You're gonna get a guy close to the Joe Musgrove, uh, even up to Garrett Cole Verlander. Verlander,
2: Verlander. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Verlander and Musgrove went for 37 each. I want to say so you're gonna guy just under them, and I don't think next year especially that Lynn's going to be at that level
1: for sure I, I would i would consider him more like just on a one-of-one one deal like similar to like any of the other expiring contracts um i mean even um even for like the race they're not going to keep him at that anyways like so what are you going to do with him like you might as well ship him out for five draft dollars if you're not going to compete because i think he will fetch something um for sure and like you said you're not going to resign him anyways at 31 i whoever you're trading him to isn't going to but I think he's somebody who like is going to be better than you're just like fifth pitcher or sixth pitcher on most lineups, most uh, yeah. Rosters. And if Manaya has a
2: couple good starts, he will uh, get a pretty good, pretty good return just because he's starter workload and relief pitcher slot.
0: All right. So before we wrap it up, let's just uh, let's just thought experiment this. So we know. That there are multiple playoff teams, in the AL specifically, um, that need outfielders. Uh, Just some teams that we went over today. uh, What was it? the? Krob, how was your outfield situation? Terrible. Yeah, so I bet you're eyeing those guys. Uh, We just went over the Oakland Athletics, who are running uh, Giovanni Moran, among other relief guys that... Don't mean anything are replaceable on the wire. Um, in the athletics case, they have $35 a cap room left, so maybe not Lance Lynn, but Framber Valdez, if he were available. I mean, I don't think Grayson Rodriguez is going to move. Um, that would be kind of counterintuitive, I think, for a team like the Rays, but Framber Valdez, Lance Lynn, even Cal Quantrill, for a team like the A's that are just looking for. Innings, I guess. At this point, um, you could really start a bidding war among the teams that, for one, want to knock you out of the playoff race for good; uh, they have incentive there to trade with you, um, and two, are right in the mix of it. And that's the that's the Athletics, Mariners, uh, Red Sox, Braves, um, or sorry not the Braves, but Red Sox, Mariners, Athletics. You know, just trading for some of these guys right now might be enough to just kind of, you know, wins in May count just as much as wins in August for us. So it's just something you got to think about going forward.
2: Yeah. Uh, Middle is a rough place to be. So these these teams in the yellow, I think you're going to, all of these teams I expect to make moves whether that's selling or buying but they have to make an effort to move up or down because finishing in the middle you get less money uh
0: you get you get disappointment you yeah you who you don't have typically the middle teams don't have as strong of farms as the teams at the very bottom and then they don't earn any money so it wasn't worth it at all and then you know, half the time, they just end up saying, you know what, this isn't working, time to tank, and then they lose multiple years, so it is it is time to move now rather than being stuck there. All right, well, thanks, you guys, for joining us for week four of the Franchise Legends Power Rankings. Any closing thoughts from our co host Go.
1: Yankees are back, baby. That's all I got to say manners are a dumpster
2: fire.
0: All right. So we we've, <laughs> we've got complete opposite ends of the spectrum right now, but all right. And the Chicago White Sox are undefeated, just in case uh you weren't aware of that, and we will see you guys for week 5. Hopefully, we uh still have a 10 and 0 Chicago White Sox team then too. See you guys then.